Who knows? Maybe you're the next Mr. Rogers because you put it out there. Maybe you're writing books and people are looking up to you all over the world, like how to parent after being, you know, the breadwinner. And maybe it's transitioned. Like when you're lying and putting on fronts for the image of other people, it just downplays all the things I think that you could do. Welcome to the next episode of What's Next with Eric Wood. Our next guest is Jason Tardick. You may remember Jason from The Bachelorette when he was on Becca's season, but I can't wait for you to hear about this man's journey to that point of his life and what he's doing now. He's also a massive Bills fan, and we love having Bills fans on this podcast. Jason brings incredible insights on how people can shift their mindset during this time around their career and find work that fulfills them. I left this podcast inspired by so many of his words. His new company, Restart, is perfect for this time that we're all living in now. He also pulls back the curtain on The Bachelor for all of Bachelor Nation out there. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you haven't done it already, scroll down to the bottom of the episode list, hit five stars if you like it, and leave a comment. That will help spread the impact I hope to make through this podcast. Enjoy. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Dude, so good to see you. I mean, I think it's been two years since the last time we connected uh, back in Buffalo. So it's, it's good to be reunited, you know? I know it was a Bills Monday night game against the Patriots. Not a great game for the Bills, but you know what? That, that season, 2018, put them on a tra- uh, trajectory to now be crushing it and doing their thing. They're killing it, especially back in that time. Like nothing, a few beers couldn't fix. And we had a few beers and we had a good time. And uh, it's good to see Buffalo back where they should be. Like it's, it's so exciting every Sunday to get geared up and watch them. It's, it's honestly like the best. We're just missing the tailgates. That's all we're missing now. I know. It hurts me so <laughs> bad that the fans can't be in the stadium to enjoy this year because it's such a special year and they deserve it. I mean, it's amazing. I would talk to New England players all the time and they'd be like, I hope you guys appreciate this fan base because if we have one bad quarter, they want to boo us out of the stadium. And you guys (laughs) haven't made the playoffs. You know, it was a 17-year drought, and the Bills fans showed up every week. So I wish they got to enjoy this year. Hopefully they're all enjoying it at home with their families and maybe getting together with neighbors. I know where they're at. They're in garages with screens down. (laughs) The only place in America where people party in garages constantly. (laughs) And party harder than anybody. Like there's no city. You know, any city I've gone to, there's no place that have people and like partying and get-togethers and pride like people in Buffalo. Like it's awesome. And when you meet someone, like if you're LA or Texas, whatever, you know, you meet someone from Buffalo, it's like instant connection. You can't beat it. Yeah, no doubt. Similar to us connecting like this. You've had a big week though. Your girlfriend Caitlin just won Dancing with the Stars. What was that like celebrating that? Oh man, I honestly, I'm joking around. I'm like, I've drank more damn champagne last week than I have in my entire life. And it's been, it has been like a whirlwind and just a complete bender, but an awesome one. And if you, let's take it back to the Bills. Like when Hopkins made that catch against Arizona, that was Sunday. The next day, I think was the semifinals for Dancing with the Stars. So I was just like, man, I need a win. We got to get this. So Caitlin got to the finale. And from that point on, Caitlin won. The Bills won Sunday. We've been drinking more champagne than humans should drink, and uh, it's a nice little cherry on top to end what was a really, really long journey. That's awesome. And, and you know what? Times like that are well-deserved in life, and you hit the reset button, and then you get back to normal life, and you're back in Nashville now. And So let's get started on you a little bit. Most people nationally know you from your time on The Bachelorette, and that was 2018. That was season 14, and you were competing – uh, for a chance to propose to Becca. But let's learn a little bit about Jason Tardick pre-Bachelorette. So yeah. I think people will know so far from our conversation. Yep. But talk, talk about where you grew up, maybe some sure. sports you played, and what you did occupationally until your time on The Bachelorette. Yeah, for sure. So I always joke around like I grew up in a modern family. I have a, a gay, happy married brother, a Jewish mother, a Catholic father, all coming from Buffalo, New York. We grew up in Williamsville. I went to uh, Country Parkway Elementary School, Transit Middle School, and then Williamsville East. And hockey was my, I loved playing hockey. So I played hockey growing up and we actually won a state championship while I was there at East, which is like something we always reminisce about. And I played soccer. And so then I ended up going to college at SUNY Geneseo and played division three college there and then I got my MBA at University of Rochester so majority of my life was spent in either Buffalo 
or uh, upstate New York. And then um, I got out of school at Geneseo and I was a banker. So I worked my way through the, the banking world from retail to small business to business banking to end up in corporate banking. And then I left upstate New York in 2000. 17 when I moved to Seattle, Washington. But my, you know, my time in Buffalo, like my strongest relationships and friendships are all the people back in Buffalo. And just some of like the old traditions, like in, which was freaking tragic that this Thanksgiving, it couldn't happen. But like the old traditions of our hockey team having our Thanksgiving day skate. And I played for the Amherst Knights growing up. Nice. But um yeah, it was good. Salt, like recreational teams, Tonawanda football. I played for TTF. I played for Amherst Knights uh, for the soccer teams. I played for Buffalo Premier uh, and then graduated from Williamsville East in 2006. Bills fans, people from Buffalo are going to be drooling over that talk and all the mention. <laughs> you mentioned earlier how much pride people from Buffalo have, and it's a good thing. Like they love their city. They love their people up there. But so you end up on, in 2018, you get on The Bachelorette. What's the application process like? Did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? And then what's the process like up into getting on the show? Yeah, the process is, it's crazy. Like, I want to say crazy. I've never had a job interview even come close to as comprehensive as this. But in Rochester, I did this bachelor auction for Gilda's Club. You come out and they bring, it's a great thing. They do it yearly. They get like 30 guys from all different backgrounds and ages. You come out, dance, have fun, and people bid to go on a date with you. And the whole point is they get this whole like package of stuff they get. Every dollar goes to charity for, for uh, families undergoing cancer treatment. I came out to old time rock and roll dance i had the air guitar i was throwing it around like a complete drunken fool <laughs> i got auctioned off for the most amount that night and so it was eight months later i now didn't even live in rochester i lived in seattle took a job out there and i got a call and it was a sunday morning and i get a call it was a voicemail i didn't pick up the random number someone saying they're from the bachelor we got this video of you doing this charity auction are you still single I thought it was fake. I'm like, there's no way. Like, right. Come on, seriously? So I called my mom, who's like the research queen. Hey, mom, there's, I know you're a big Bachelor fan. There's this lady. Can you look into this? Can you help me out? My mom calls me back within like 10 minutes. Jason, I just did all the research. This is a producer. You got to call her back. So I called her back and I was like, is this like, this is real? She's like, yeah, are you still single? I was like, I am. And, and that's how the process started. And the application process is crazy. So I went first to New York, which is like, I think considered regionals. And you meet with all these people, you do all these interviews. And then apparently they do this all over the country. And then they bring what my understanding is like the top 50 to the final time. So you are like, if you make the top 50, you go to LA for like a week. And you're in, a, you're in a hotel room. Like, you don't leave your hotel room unless someone comes to you. And they, it's crazy. That, I mean, they did like a 600-question psych test. Wow. Uh, after the psych test, you, I remember I sat down. I got in at like 7 p.m. They gave me the, the book exam, 600 questions, and two number two pencils. And they're like, yeah, you got to do this today. I'm like, 600 questions? If I take one minute per question, I'm going to be here all night. They're like, it's got to be done. So I, the first thing I did, true Buffalonian, I went to room service. And I was like, I need a six pack of beer. So yeah. they, brought me up, they brought me up a six. I think they had Miller lights out there and I just hammered away. Meet with the psychologist. There, I remember there was one time you do a one-on-one -on -one interview with someone and they ask you all about your life. And then it's in this black room and then you, oh, they go, okay, we're done. And then they open the door. And when I looked into the door, there's 30 plus producers and a little chair in the middle of the room. And they have you sit down in the room and from all ang angles, they just pepper you with different questions. And so they put you through this extensive test to like really understand who you are. And I, I mean, I even had to get blood work done. You can't have any STDs on the show. Um, they do full research with people, you know, all these people, like are they in your life? What's he like? And then I found out, you know, this process for me started in October. I found out in like early February and then had to figure out how to tell work. So it was, it was a long process. Man, that's, I'm fascinated by this. And, and I'll admit, there's been some seasons of The Bachelor and Bachelorette that I've watched with my wife. She watches them all. There's different seasons of life where I find myself that I have like the, whatever, 20 hours of 
three months that I can commit <laughs> to a show. And if in Bachelor or Bachelorette's one of those ones, like once you get in, you're sucked in. Like they're gonna, they're gonna make you keep coming back. So I am truly fascinated by this. Uh, for all those listening that aren't, I apologize for maybe a few of the questions I'm about to ask. Because as me and my wife sat down, we're kind of thinking about like, what should we ask? Here's what came about. So I've heard yeah. from a couple buddies that have familiarity with the show that there's a lot there's a there's not much sleep and a lot of booze to get the conversations and tv moments going is that is that pretty accurate oh for sure i mean well there's actually one or two of those are accurate so the 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 booze is not accurate you know i will i'm like i i can't sit i'm a banker i'm not an actor i can't sit here like with all these cameras looking at me like trying to talk to someone and like make out in front of cameras i'm just i don't know i'm not used to that like give me some drinks but they had a two drink per hour rule in place. And that had stemmed from, there was a show Bachelor in Paradise where there were some uh, controversy and some issues. And as a result of that, they put an alcohol um, seemed to come into play there. So they put in a, 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 some type of uh, rule that you can only have two drinks per hour. Now, the funniest part was, guys would do everything they could to like beat around the bush with this. I remember one guy tried to pay off a bartender, literally tried to pay that like under dude, there's cameras everywhere. You dumbass. Right. pay off the bartender to get another drink. He did it. The dumbass bartender took it, gave him more drinks and he, the guy got fired the next day. Yeah. Uh, but my go-to, my strategy was there at the Colton. So anyone that is a bachelor fan or isn't a bachelor fan, Colton Underwood was on my season. Our, the season I was on, I called my season. It wasn't my season. But then he became the bachelor in the next season. He is like the perfect, like, what I say, like, he was like the virgin guy, the guy that doesn't drink. He played in the NFL, like straight laced is what I'll call it. So he didn't drink much, but he would go in and get his two drinks and give me the two drinks. So that was my angle. That's, uh, that's question one. And then wait, so you asked about the drinking and then the uh, what was the other? The sleep. Yeah. So the sleep is, they have time systems up. I'm spilling a lot of tea here. They have time lighting systems. So they, you can't go to bed until a certain time. And you can try to, but the light's so bright. It's like you can't. And, it, and you wake up at a certain time. So it's, it's definitely got to be uh, angled so that there's only a certain amount of time you can sleep. And obviously, the less time you have in an environment like that, the less rationally you're going to think. <laughs> right. But if they, if they didn't do some of that stuff, it wouldn't ever be entertaining and people wouldn't watch and it wouldn't be one of the most popular shows on television, what, 20 years running now. So exactly. So they, exactly. they know exactly what they're doing. When you brought Becca to your hometown of Buffalo, New York, where did you take her for the hometown visit? Yeah. So I was blown away that I even made it to hometowns. So I couldn't believe it. And then when I did, my parents live in Charlotte at the time. So they moved back, uh, back in 2006 when I graduated high school. They went to Dallas. Now they're in Charlotte. My brother and his husband live in New York City. They wanted to go to Charlotte. They wanted to go to New York City. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I refuse to do it. Everyone can get their ass to Buffalo because this is the coolest thing ever. We got to do it in Buffalo. Oh, so man. that was a process in its own, getting everyone to Buffalo. But we got everyone on board. We had to rent a house because we didn't have a house in Buffalo, right? So the house that we were in, we rented. Ironically enough, the funniest part I always think about, it's like I'm driving in this house and we get to this house, which I don't even know where it is. And it's literally next, it's like almost next door to my ex-girlfriend's house in four years. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, wait a second, like all excited. I see, I'm like, wait, that was her house. Oh my God, this is oh, like, man. wow, this is awkward. <laughs> but um, our stops were, we went to, um, um, anchor bar downtown we went to harbor center to skate and like show like where the the sabers practice and then we went to uh we really went back to the house that's where we spent most of the time actually was the house at night it happened so quickly and you don't i don't have much impact on where we go right so like it's pretty much done they say like what are things you'd want to do they create it for you and then you go so you have a little say in where you go not much yeah, so when you said you wanted wings, you wish they would have taken you to like Barbell or Gabriel's Gate or 911 Tavern, but they took you there. Could have stopped by Julio's. <laughs> I mean, there are so many good hometown places. Obviously, Anchor Bar, like the quintessential, you know, Buffalo wing place. But I think I would have had a few different options, even though I like Anchor Bar. 
Yeah, that's cool. I wish we would have known each other better at the time. I would have let you take my house because I was gone for the winter anyways. And my Christmas Shit. because of injury, you could have done it at my house up there. That would have been pretty fun, actually. And that's, you know what I'm going to tell because one of the producers, the executive producer, one of the highest guys up there, he's born and raised in Buffalo. His name's Bennett. So I'll tell him if they ever get another Buffalo guy or girl, E. Woods on board. Get him in the game. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So what's the time frame like between when you're done filming? And this is my last mm -hmm. question on this. You can ask anything. I'm open book. <laughs> when you're done filming and when the show actually releases, and do you need to go and were you actually used to this 2020 quarantine because you had to kind of separate yourself because wouldn't people know if you were with Becca and know what the results? It's actually like no one's put it to me like that. And that's so damn accurate. Because if you think about it from really when I went on to the show, like I started, you know, applying for the show and stuff in like October, November. So from October to November until I go on the show in March, like I'm not going to be that guy that is like, oh, he's engaged and lives with a girl and he came on the show. So I didn't really like I couldn't have any relationships knowing that I was going to go on the show. You know, I had to be like very casual. It's like I'm not going to be like dating anyone seriously. So that happened. Then you get off the show. We filmed from March until like May. I came in third, but the season didn't air until late May. And then my exit was until August. So technically from May to August, I had to do the show solid and be, you know, yeah, pretty much put on a front that I'm engaged or not engaged. Couldn't really go on dates or do anything like that. I remember one time my cousin lived in Seattle we, her and I got a drink and there's like pictures or whatever, like Jason's dating another girl. It was my cousin guys, like, come on. <laughs> but then the crazy, it keeps going because in July they reached out for me to be the bachelor. And I went through that whole process and they didn't announce that to labor day. So we're pretty much talking about like a full year in quarantine of like hiding under the radar as it relates to my personal life, which was, yeah, I guess that it prepared me for quarantine. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's how you're able to adjust to this. And you talk about being at the bar with your cousin and people, that becoming a story. Yeah. And that leads me perfectly to what I wanted to ask you next. And that's, you're now dealing with a celebrity status that came about, and I don't want to say out of nowhere, you knew it was coming, but it's a big time effect. Anywhere you go, you walk through an airport now, people are going to recognize you. The Bachelor Nation is enormous. What was it like adjusting to that? You know, it's such a good question. The crazy thing about it is that, I, Caitlin will tell you, when it comes to pop culture, it's pathetic. I know nothing. And that's how this was. Like, I knew The Bachelor was a big show. Caitlin went on the show. She openly says, I got on that show for, for an opportunity. I didn't care. Like, I don't know if I find someone great. I went for business. She knew, like, the, the magnitude of it. I had no idea the magnitude. I was just like, screw it. Let's just like, I'm kind of miserable with my work life. Let's give it a shot. And even when I got off the show, I didn't, it didn't, I wasn't like an Instagram guy. I didn't know how all the stuff worked. I didn't really know what to expect. And then it hit me when these like things that weren't true kept coming up. Like I remember in July, I, this girl that was on a previous season, she lived in Seattle. She was super nice. Like, Hey, do you want to just go grab a drink? And if you need help understanding this world, I'm like, please, I'm so confused. Grab a drink. She doesn't even drink. I had one drink. She had water. We left. And some guy runs over and goes, hey, guys, can I get a picture of you two? Yeah. And so he's like, put your arm around her. I was like, well, don't you, do you want to be in the picture? And he's like, uh, no, no. I was like, that's weird. I'll do the picture if you want to be in it, but I'm not going to pose like I just met her. And he's like, okay. So he comes in the picture. They take the picture. And this was like a month into the show. All of a sudden, I'm getting all these texts like, dude, you're dating this girl from the show? Like, you didn't tell, like, my buddies. I'm like, what are you talking about? And something simple like that, like, became this thing. And that's when it hit me, like, what? People are paying attention that I'm getting a drink, just, like, trying to meet a friend? And that's when it all came to fruition. And it was the most eye-opening thing in the world because the Bachelor Nation community, I didn't realize, is one of the best communities out there, but so engaged to, like, what you're doing and how you're doing it. And it was – uh it was eye-opening. And I'm still sometimes I'm like, wait, what? Why do you want a picture with me? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I can see where Weird. that would be. That would be extremely tough. And, and it's a totally different 
audience in football. Like if I'm not in Buffalo or Cincinnati or Louisville, I can fly under the radar pretty good. If it's, if it's not a Bills fan, that's way different to be like out to eat someone snapping pictures of you and all that. But you almost in, in my world, you like people know you in high school because maybe you're going to be playing division one football. And then in college, you get a little bit bigger because you're playing at a university and then you get to the NFL. So you kind of grow into it. You didn't have that luxury. So when you said, when you said you part of the reason you went on the bachelorette was because you were miserable in your work life. Did you ever have a pool to go back to be a banker? And what was your shift out of the show? Hey, I want to be doing something. I may or may not want to do that. You are a hell of an interviewer with great questions, Eric. But I, so I think if we talk about like your correlation, right? Like you were always, I am sure, a complete star. So you were always under the light as a player. And, and like, I'm sure then in college, I'm sure some of your coaches trained you a little bit with like PR and then you become a pro and a captain. Like you're in this world forever. With people in shows like this, especially reality TV, it literally, at the light of a switch, boom, it, everything changes. Right. And you're not taught. You don't know PR. You don't know how to act, which is what creates such a shit show for, for a lot of people in the reality TV space. Before I get to that question, I also think about, like, I think about this a lot, being in L.A. for a lot. You see these kids, like 19-year-olds, getting out of these, like, $400,000 cars. And they're, you're like, who is this guy? And they talk to them. They're like these big TikTok stars. Right. Literally in January, most of these kids were – unemployed in college working at target like so, you know not that there's anything wrong with that but had just basic lives and within like 10 months their whole life changed they have 20 million plus followers making millions and millions of dollars and they're monster famous and it's something we're seeing a lot in our world today especially with social media that literally in seconds your life could change and it's a crazy concept crazy concept that we could talk about for a long time so i'll digress from that but back to your question about the banker go on the show, get off the show in May. I don't know what's coming next. I got to go work. I got to go make money. I haven't had a check hit my account in three months. Go right back to work, right? So I go back to work and then all this craziness starts happening. Like I'm doing all this stuff and it slowly, as the more shows come out, you know, like I'm in a work meeting and I'm getting a text. Hey, Ryan Seacrest wants to have an interview with you. Like, what? What do you, t yeah, but you need to be ready in 30 minutes. Like what the hell? Run over to a meeting with, hook up with Wi-Fi talking to Ryan Seacrest. And in that meeting, he goes, Hey, I want to fly you out tomorrow. I want you in person. Like, wait, what is this? So wow. I, how do I tell my boss? So I go tell my boss, Hey, I can't come tomorrow. Ryan Seacrest interviewed me. He's like, what the hell? And I don't think he knew or I knew kind of how this worked. And so for a full year, I went back to work. So I was working for a full year. And then there's obviously a business component of all this stuff. And the business component started much more, it started just bringing in more revenue and the banking side. And I liked it more. And I had been at work, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in the process. I just signed a two book deal with Harper Collins. Awesome. And one of the, the first book that I'm writing now is all about restarting and detouring your career. And that when a change comes your way, it could be the best thing ever for you and how you can accelerate different things. And for me, there's a long, long story about when this personal world and, uh, and the work world hit ahead. And so that is what ultimately created my spinoff and detour out of banking into doing some of the stuff I'm doing now, which was a year after the show. Let's expand on that just a little bit more because mm -hmm. so many people in 2020 are being forced to restart career-wise. They're being mm -hmm. forced to pivot in their career, which you were forced to do based upon want and partially need. So talk about your consulting company, Vlog and Blog, what you call mm -hmm. Restart. Yeah. So I think with my experience, what I realized is, you know, my, especially in Buffalo, we grew up in this little community and I just never thought greater than this bubble I grew up in. I saw my dad, he was a corporate guy. When I graduated from uh, high school, he relocated for work and that's what my parents did. They, they were in the system, they worked hard and did what it took. And so that's what I thought I had to do. Go to school, get your MBA. Okay, you got a uh, MBA in finance, go be a banker, accountant, attorney, something like that, and just keep on fighting. Until I hit a point where I'm like, I'm miserable. Like on paper, everything's perfect. I got my MBA, I got a good job. I can say I'm a vice president of banking. Go you, you're the man. But I was miserable. I wasn't doing anything I wanted. And I think what, you know, what 2020 is, is wakening up a lot of people and what's happening is life is people are starting to realize like, I don't have to like conform to this blueprint 
that life has put me on. This system, honestly, it's not working, right? You look at our debt burden. Right now, there are some, most people will tell you that there's a negative ROI going to college, which is a crazy concept given the cost. Right. You look at like divorce rates, happiness rates in America, our healthcare issues, like the system that we have in place based on numbers is not working. So we need to start thinking outside the box. And so uh, the whole idea of restart is if you are unsatisfied with your career or you're looking to achieve other things or start a side hustle or get your finances under control, it's a place that we perceive this blueprint as a means of um, finding ways out and breaking what's in place today to find like what's really going to accelerate you, your career and your happiness. And so, uh, yeah, started it about a year ago and it's, it's off and running. I'm excited to tell you about a product that I've been absolutely loving lately, and that's the Uller from ChiliPad. It is a temperature-controlled mat that goes under your sheets on your bed and controls your body temperature throughout the night. I originally heard this product endorsed by Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins, David Nurse, and others, and I knew I had to give it a try. Maximizing the amount of deep sleep you get in a night is so important, especially when it's not possible at times to get a full 7 or 8 hours. ChiliPad puts you at the perfect temperature all night to promote deep sleep. When you get enough deep sleep, your learning capability is higher, your memory is stronger, you're prepared to take on your toughest workouts. In other words, you're in peak physical and mental shape after a night of true recovery. That's why finding a way to get more deep sleep is always at the top of my priority list. I will attach a link to purchase the chili pad in the show notes and use code ERIC22 at checkout to get 22% off your order. I personally use the Uller and I love it. Man, it's so, it's so interesting hearing you talk about coming out of the bachelorette, coming out of the banking world, what do you want to do next? Again, much different worlds, but when I come out of football, you know, that first six months, the bills didn't even officially release me. So I could not go even try to get another job or put myself in the ring for broadcasting or anything else, because that would be me retiring. And that's me forfeiting all my injury money. So I had to wait till really June 1st, even before I could even put anything out there with a network like, Hey, I might be interested in calling some games this fall or doing some studio stuff. So I'm sitting there and I'll never forget. And I've told this story on the podcast before going Mm -hmm. to my old head coach at Louisville's golf tournament. And I'm riding around with my CPA, who's a really close friend of mine. And I said, Larry, watch how many times, or listen to that, how many times today, someone talks real condescending about me not just having a job. Like, hey, what are you up to nowadays? Like, oh, I've been doing some traveling, connecting with the wife. We had to move out of our house in Buffalo. You know, oh, well, you're, you're too young to be retired. You better find something. And just because I didn't have a nine to five, everyone was like, man, you need to be doing something. And when I heard you talking about it, it's like when I grew up on the west side of Cincinnati, which is very similar to the community in Buffalo. And sure. a lot of people just kind of put a glass ceiling on top of themselves. And it's like, yep. well, this is what I know. This is, you know, that's what everyone else does. So if I don't work that nine to five, then I'm not doing what everyone else does. And, and I can't do it. And, um, man, it's, it's, it was, I appreciate you talking about that because that, that's the kind of the same thing I went through. It's like, well, I don't necessarily want to just go work for somebody. And similar mm-hmm. to you, it's like, man, I have this opportunity and that opportunity. I want to just put myself in an office all day and I'm going to miss out on all this stuff. So it's been an interesting transition to where I'm at now, but, but it takes some intentionality and putting yourself out there a little bit and just, just a little bit more on the restart deal that you do because yeah. some people are at a low point right now with this second wave of shutdown and COVID and we're, we're filming this and recording this in late November. What advice would you give people to start to get out of that spot? Like, is it mindset stuff? Is it financial? Is it, what, what's, what's your best path? Sure. So the, the, by far, I think where you got to start and I like title this is like, it's like the efficacy of vulnerability, like being vulnerable is the most efficient thing in the world. The story you just told is being vulnerable and it allows you to kind of connect the dots and see what's going on. I think that we like live in this world where we are so it's, 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 I always say this, you can edit this out or whatever, but 
titles. Everyone lives the ego through their title. And so within the first three minutes of meeting someone, the first thing you say is, what do you do? And whatever your response is, is how someone will instantly benchmark who you are from a socioeconomic standpoint, fame perspective, all these things. And unfortunately, we're living in this world where titles define us. And the sooner that we could say, that and just be like whatever you want to be, how you want to be, and do what you got to do, and stop worrying about trying to impress someone else based on your title or where you work or what it looks like, what the facade is, the better off we'll be. And for me, for nine, 10 years, all I cared about was the visibility of success. Do I appear successful to other people? Am I achieving success in their eyes? And that's what I was doing. With the, with the MBA, with the relocations. I mean, I moved from Rochester to Seattle. I didn't know one human in Seattle. I'm 29. I'm single. I did it because I knew that one, the money was good. Two, my title was better. And three, it would like make me look more successful. I got asked to move across the country. I didn't want to go. I didn't know anyone out there. And so the quicker that, and what helped me, which is crazy about the show, is they took like two weeks, producers trying to like jam in my brain. And I got these thick walls up, like I'm not letting you in. And once those walls broke down, and I'm not a cry guy, or I wasn't a cry guy, now I am, I don't know what happened to me. I started like bawling my eyes on, I'm like, and she's like, why are you crying? And I'm like, because I've realized that like this, for I've put so much off my relationships, why they're not working. Like, why am I 29 here sitting in front of a producer asking me about my love life? Obviously, because I've had some serious like screw ups. And so I think the, the, quicker you can be open with yourself and vulnerable in your process, the better you'll be able to fix the solution. And so I'd say step one, like, are you happy with your job? Do your skill sets align with what you're doing? Are you passionate about it? Maybe you are. Maybe you're like the best. Think about football. There's some of the best players in the world that just aren't at the right organizations. So maybe someone listening is like, listen, I am the best account. I am the best server. I am the best bar manager. I'm just not the right organization that's going to accelerate me. That's an easy fix. But I think identifying with yourself, being open and honest, like where are some of the serious, deep-rooted concerns, that is going to be the easy way to transition and find out what will work. Brother, that is so good. That, that is, I appreciate that. That is so pertinent to what's going on right now. I'm sitting here nodding my head because I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, like in this broadcast world, like, is this what fits my skill sets? Is this what I'm passionate about? And it truly is. And I've, I've taken time. But as you're asking, I'm kind of nodding along with, 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 your, <laughs> with your questions because that hits me. And I think so many people uh, that will relate to right now. And, and, and I think I think I don't want to I want to say one last thing is we let too many people dictate what is success. We let our boss tell us if we're good or not. Like if you're in a Broadway broadcast company, we let what those people say dictate how we feel. And I think benchmarking outside of your company, outside of the world you work in like with other companies is huge. I remember I worked at a bank. They told me I was worth this much. I could only get a three percent raise in my head. What they said was right. But then I got an offer that day from a company completely outside of banking and technology. It's like, no, we actually think we'll pay you this much. I went to that company. Nine months later, the same bank hired me back, doubled my base pay nine months later. And I think when you just said what you said is like, we can't let other people define like, you know, what our values, where we should get paid. If we are aligned, we have to do it ourselves. That's good. Yeah. And I've found myself, especially over these last few years, trying to find some type of success that I can create worth from. And I have to constantly reel myself back, like, why am I doing this podcast? Because I love it, because I get to connect with people like this. And I, I learn so much about people through an hour because I get to dictate the conversation. So many of these podcast interviews have affected me. Okay, check. Keep the podcast. Why am I doing broadcasting? Why am I doing this? Why did I do this investment? Because yeah. I, I wanted to hit a home run or, or whatever it is. Okay, you got enough. That, it's wasting time. You're, you're get, catching meetings. Okay, pivot from there. And it's like constantly evaluating it. But I, I've done a lot of research and, and read a bunch on children of um, alcoholics. And you seek attention. Mm. You're always seeking approval. I've had to – I come from, you know, an alcoholic father. He's recovered. So incredibly wow. proud of him. But – it's like I, I can find myself seeking attention of coaches, bosses, whatever it may be. And for so long, I knew that I want to be the best center in the NFL. That was like in college, I would have said that. And then wow. it's once you shift out of playing, it's okay, now what? Now, like, what is your goal? What is your end point? Which is 
harder to find on a day-to-day basis, but I think you come back to maybe a personal mission statement for those listening. Maybe it's a personal mission statement. Maybe it's a Bible verse that you defines you. Maybe it's just saying, look, if my family's most important, I'm going to be a rock star dad and husband, and then everything else, I can go chase success or whatever it may be, but if, as long as I got that, then I, can, mm-hmm. then I can go from there, and that's given me a lot of peace through this time. I, I love that. It's such a good story. And I think the other interesting thing about like an athlete and what I've noticed, especially with hockey guys I talk to, that they've told me this. They get out of hockey and they've kind of lost what they thought, thought was their identity. I'm a professional athlete. I'm a hockey player. And so many of them go into real estate. And so I asked a couple of hockey guys, like, why do you guys go into real estate? Like, what, what is, is that what you guys talk about in the locker room? Like, like, no, man, it's that everyone comes to us saying, what are you doing now? And if I say real estate, it sounds enti- important. It sounds enticing. And I don't actually really have to do that. And I don't work that much, but it, it gives me the title. And I feel like that is the exact example. That's like somewhat correlates a lot with what you're saying that we as like a society need is fuck that. If, if you, if it's, if you're just going to be the best husband and father, why don't you just wear that on your sleeve? Who knows what it turns into? Who knows? Maybe you're the next Mr. Rogers because you put it out there. Maybe you're writing books and people are looking up to you all over the world, like how to parent after being, you know, the breadwinner. And maybe it's transitioned. Like when you're lying and putting on fronts for the image of other people, it just downplays all the things I think that you could do. So that is hysterical. <laughs> my, first, my first meeting I took post career yeah was with a big real estate guy in Louisville. That's so funny that you said that. Yeah, everybody. And, and one of the big things I tell people when you're, they're transitioning out or when you're playing is be really careful trying to play someone else's game that they know. Like by the time, like if you're going to go out and try to independently play the real estate game, someone's mm-hmm. already turned down every deal that you get the opportunity to see. Like you need 100%. to partner up with someone that's – really embedded that's been in the business for 20 years because just like them trying to hop into a one-on-one pass rush drill and you'd embarrass them you're going to embarrass yourself and you're embarrassing yourself with money that you work really hard for like I broke both my legs for this money I'm not just trying to go get my tail whipped in the real estate game and that's why I was trying to partner up with someone and I've kind of pivoted from there maybe that was true but um you seem to attack each day with joy, live life to the fullest. I follow you on Instagram. So motivational, inspirational. What's your morning routine like? And not today when you had to fly cross country and all that, but (laughs) what's your ideal morning routine to set up your day? Yeah. What it typically starts with today's a little different is the night before is when I prepare for the next day. So I'll know every meeting I have, what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. But for me, it's like when you kick your day off the right way, it just creates all this energy moving forward, good and bad. So I always try and get a workout early. So I'll first work out. I want to understand what's going on in news and with the market, some resources I use. People ask me like, where can I get some like decent information? I use finviz.com tradingview.com. And then I always like to get two perspectives. So I'll go to CNN and Fox news. But if you can wake up and like knock some of those things out, the day will progress. So I look at like work hard, work hard, work hard, get your workout in. And then like later in night, hopefully I'm at a point where I've done enough. And then I'm like, now it's time to relax. Caitlin and I will have wine. We'll watch, you know, stupid reality TV, like the bachelor, like totally decompress. And then the next day, fire it up early and often get it going. And then I think just like having a balance, like work hard, play hard life uh, is so important. But like starting the day off right is everything to me. Like you have to nail it early. Yep. I feel the exact same way. And How about you? Do you do similar stuff or? Similar deal. So in the morning, I like to get some type of physical activity in, some type of workout. Right now I'm in the middle of a hundred mile running challenge. We have like Damn. five or six weeks to do it. And I'm not a distance runner. So for some people out there, they'll be laughing like, a hundred miles in five to six weeks and we have the new year to do it. But for me, I'm not a distance runner. You know, I mm-hmm. two and a half years ago, I was 310 pounds. So I was going to say, how much do you weigh now? I'm, a, I'm 245, 250. Um, and the running has actually peeled a few pounds off lately. Sure. Some of that quarantine 10 or so, but I, I like to get a workout in. Um, I always start my day with some type of reading. Sometimes it's actually reading the Bible. Sometimes it's a devotional. Nice. I generally have some type of leadership or nonfiction book that some of them are a daily journey. Some of them I'll just break out into chapters, but I like to get some type of reading in. I like some type of silence. I wish I could say I'm a big meditator, but for me, sometimes it's just like five minutes of silence. 
just to start the day. And a lot of that I need to get done by about 8 a.m. when our kids get up because I want to spend a little bit of time with them. I don't want to say like, man, I got to start my morning the right way. I got to ignore my kids. So generally my mornings will start maybe 5.30 or 6. And, and I'm like you, though. I want to power pack my days and, and be a super productive so that 4, 5, maybe 6 p.m., depending on what broadcast season looks like, I can just – put my phone on airplane mode and check out and just fully invest. And it's 2020 is a little different because you're always home and the kids are home so much. It's like, baby, I got to work. It's like, eh, like you can drop this. So sometimes I'll catch some like butt cheeks on the glass. Like my kids, have, (laughs) but it's fun, you know, Uh, but, but I'm the exact same way. I I think, I think for all those out there and we, and we, I've pushed this pretty hard on with the weekly podcast. It's like get something in your day to start the day off with that you can feel a sense of accomplishment just as the day starts. You know, the Navy SEALs talk about making their bed first thing in the morning. And it's like, once you do that, then when you come back at night, if you did nothing else, your bed's made, you did something. And so I love And for me, that might be look like a workout. It might be something else. And I love how you talk about starting your next day the night before we've had, a lot of really um, great mindset people, people that seem to fit more in to a day than most people know how. And a lot of that starts with the night before just being organized and not waking up and just kind of seeing where the day takes you uh, throughout the day. All right. So and one thing you said there, Eric, that about that's like really, I've done a lot of research on is when you talked about your silence, like you've created an environment for you before the day that gets you mentally right. There's a ton of research that goes out to whatever it is that kind of like sets you off, whether it's the lighting in your room, is it clean? What aromas do you have? Like there's so many things that if you build your surrounding area, that's going, it can like help magnify you as a person. So I think finding that's huge too. You know? yes. And in the cleanliness is something that drives me nuts. And I have let myself in the midst of this broadcast season, get my desk way too unorganized, but it like, yeah. kind of puts you like in a bad mental spot to start the day. Now I can be like, look in three weeks, whenever this college football season ends and I'm only doing bill stuff, like life will slow down and we're all good. Like I can <laughs> kind of justify it, but uh, that's yeah. a great point as well. Just having the right ambiance around you to lock, lock in because if you're distracted sure. by a mess or whatever it may be, noise, whatever it may be, uh, it's going mm-hmm. to be tough for you. All right. So we're going to dig into a few of these recurring questions. These are fun to compare back and forth between previous guests. So we'll start off. What's your favorite book? My favorite book right now, it's, uh, it's Disloyal. I'm a big guy. I love two perspectives. Love it. And then I'll make my own opinion. And so this is written by Michael Cohen. It was Donald Trump's personal attorney. Um, They were thick as thieves. And then they had a huge falling out and they both kind of turned on each other and they both have different stories of what each person did. And so here he is. He's pretty much lost everything. He's been disbarred. He's in jail time, his wife, his kids. And it's like a tell all book. So you take it and perceive it however you would like, but it was one of these books I just could not put down. Just absolutely fascinating. So that's been, that's been my uh, read lately. <laughs> that does sound fascinating. I'll have to check that out for sure. And bi- a business book, McDonaldization of Society. That's one I think every single person out there should read. No, if, no matter what your background is, if you're in business or not, McDonaldization of Society is one everyone should read start to finish. Definitely. I'll put that one on the list as well. Uh, what role does your faith play in your life? Faith. Um, so faith, used, you know, is interesting. Like I, I grew up with a Jewish mother and Catholic father and at a young, and I was baptized and confirmed and I learned both religions and I just, it's bad, but like faith has got, a, got away from like who I am a little bit. I'm, I'm huge on energy. I'm huge on karma. I need to spend a little bit more time with myself um, identifying what it is about faith that uh, will either intrigue me or not, but I'm, I'm not very uh, spiritual as it relates to a religion. Um, and it's something that I used to be. I mean, like when I was like high school, college, I was praying every single day and I've gotten away from that. So I don't know exactly why it's something I need to do a little bit more investigating with myself. Um, I think what kills me in just life, I, I can't, you know, and I, the hypocrisy thing really bugs me. I think having a gay brother and a, a well-rounded family, I've seen a lot from different sides of religion where they might, you know, put hate on one thing, but um, love another. 
And what I'm loving is that we're starting to see like a Pope come around with all sides of the world and talk about how like people should welcome everyone and trying to get rid of some of that stuff. So it's something I need to do a little bit more, more soul searching on. And I'm, I'm, I'm honestly open and willing to look at all angles and I haven't shut anything out. So something I need to work on. Yeah, I, I truly appreciate your honesty there. And that's fine. I, I grew up Catholic and now I consider myself a non-denominational Christian. And, you know, mm -hmm. I remember when my parents got divorced, they couldn't get communion anymore. So we kind of quit going to church and that, that didn't make any sense to me. Like that rule did not make any sense. Like they were going to be happier split. Like why yeah. does that matter? And then to your point, like, how are we going to say as Christians, when we're called to love your neighbor as yourself, say, because someone's gay, they can't, attend a church and we don't want to include them because they're gay but sure. sin is sin and that's what the bible says like the bible mm -hmm. says even thinking about another woman is adultery so mm -hmm. in that sense we're all going to fall short so right. like the rules right. never, like to me it's more about a relationship with christ than it necessarily is about the rules to it and that's where i've kind of gravitated more towards just like non-denominational religion like yeah and there's there's principles from a lot of different religions and the energy you know i've actually yeah. you know and it's like i think you can believe in all those things and understand all of that but it's like to me like the principles of christianity make sense to me because it's not sure. exclusive yeah I, exactly and i think one thing that goes without saying is like the moral compass especially when you have kids and maybe you know i need to do some soul searching there but the moral compass of almost majority of religions is really done for the right reasons. And I think like instilling that on children and kids, like as you grow up, right versus wrong, repercussions for actions, accountability, stuff like that uh, is so important. So yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. No doubt. What was your first car? First car was a, <laughs> was a Ford Escape, a 2000, I think it was like a 2000 Ford Escape. And uh, I used to just whip that thing all over. I loved it. <laughs> What was your first car? My first car was a 1991 Honda Accord that I could barely fit in. And I love asking that question because you lit up when yeah. I asked you it. And uh, yeah. <laughs> everyone always lights up because it takes you back to such a cool place in your life when you got your first car. You got your first car. And I remember at the time, it was like the cool thing to have like the big bases, like boom, boom in your car. And I had one buddy who had a Honda Accord and we would be in that car and literally it was like a massage. It was so loud. I tried to get it. My parents were like, you're not getting that. But I always wanted the base system. I never got it. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. And now that I can afford one, I'm not going to put one in. So yeah, exact same thing. Now I can get it through my own rules. I'm like, I would never do that. <laughs> right. You live down in Nashville. You're from Buffalo. So you can go mm -hmm. different ways. Well, let's start off. What's your favorite wing spot in Buffalo? My favorite wing spot is it's got to be Gabriel's Gate or nice. Duff's. Yeah, those are two solid spots. What's your favorite restaurant in general? Lombardo's. Is that in Buffalo? Yeah, and, and Elmwood. Oh, I got to check that out. Yeah. I've been there. Well, you got me on that yeah, one. Let me, let me get the address there. Hang on once I'm Googling it right now. Uh, Lombardo's is on, it's on Hurdle, uh, 1198 Hurdle. It is, I think it's like the best, some of the best Italian in town. And also I love, I grew up with the Salvatore family. I love Salvatore's Italian garden. It's such a good spot. Yeah, that is a great spot. All right. So last question, and you can go in any direction that you want. Mm -hmm. What's next for Jason Tardick? That is a great question. Um, so what's next for me is, this whole restart thing is blowing up to a level I never really saw happen. So we have, um, we have a membership. And so with our membership, what we're doing is we're connecting celebrities and industry experts with people from everyday life, people that are listening to this podcast. So rather than just being a listener, you could actively be involved and we have live sessions. So like we have Jim Cramer coming on from MSNBC and we have other celebrities coming on in which you participate in the interview. And then you get to ask these people anything you want as it relates to financial development, career navigation. We also have industry experts come on. So if you're looking to get into a different industry from all different backgrounds, from vets to country stars, you can ask these people, how do you get in it? What kind of money do you make? The questions you can't find on Google. And then if you're not interested in actually those industries and pursuing from a career perspective, 
you might be interested as a consumer. So I have to work with a real estate agent. I have to buy a car. We're going to have real estate agents on and car salesmen on and people that can give you the ins and outs, tips and tricks from a consumer. We also have financial models that help increase your credit score, release you from debt, understand your income. So that's called the Restart All Access Membership. We just launched it a week ago and we're growing. But under the Restart umbrella, I have a podcast that's coming out. We're writing two books. Um, we are, we're building our following on the social media platforms. We're doing small business consulting, speaking events. I just spoke with the New York Yankees front office. So just continuing to build that brand and it relates to uh, financial and career uh, wellness and just getting the answers that for some reason, this society are taboo. Like we can't talk about what we make. We can't talk about the ins and outs of certain things. My whole idea with Restart is just smash that and give consumers all the inside information they need to accelerate their career and their financial position. That's awesome, brother. I can't yeah. wait to check that out. Anything Sweet, I can ever man. do for you in that regard, let me know because that is such a cool deal that you're being a part of talking about earlier, crushing those glass ceilings that people have put on them and saying, how do I do get, get in the country music? I want to get in the finance world. I want to do this. I want to do that. And you're allowing them to do that. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so social media and Instagram. Uh, my, uh, my name is uh, Jason underscore Tardic. It's the same on Twitter, on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, Restart with Jason Tardic. Uh, TikTok, you know, trying to hang out with the young, cool kids. That's Jason Tardic. And then for all the Restart stuff, our Instagram is Restart underscore Reset. Man, I can't thank you yeah. enough for your time here today. Your words that will inspire and impact so many going through this as I mentioned, this second wave of shutdowns has been so tough for so many people. So many people are looking to restart, pivot, whatever you want to call it. Your words were so inspiring. My wife is really going to love the Bachelor talk, and I enjoyed it as well. I will admit it. Uh, thanks again, brother. That's awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. Brain MD is Dr. Amen's supplement line, who is a former podcast guest of mine. Dr. Amon is regarded as one of the top, if not the top brain experts in the entire world, and I've been taking his supplements for a little over a year now and have never felt better. I wish I had these while I was playing. I recommend the Eric Wood Bundle to all current and former contact sport athletes at any level, as well as anyone out there looking to support their brain and increase brain function. The supplements I take daily are Brain and Body Power Max, Neuro C, vitamin D3, and brain curcumins. For more info on each of these supplements, check out my post on Instagram and I explain them all. My handle is ewood70. Go to brainmd.com and use code ericwood, one word, to get 5% off your order. Thank you for listening to What's Next with Eric Wood. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, Please rate it five stars and subscribe. That goes a long way for us with this podcast. Tune in in a couple weeks for another new episode.